Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. Uh, we are continuing in our series with the Small Group Network, which is out of Saddleback Church. It's a network of ministry leaders and pastors, and we are talking about the world reopening. Now, when you hear this podcast, you might, we don't know where we're going to be in the pandemic, but we're guessing at some point that we're going to be reopening. And even for wherever you live, you're probably experiencing a little bit of that. The question that we're dealing with today is why will community matter more after the pandemic? I am here uh, with my friend Kirsten and uh, Kirsten serves at the uh, National Community Church, which is in Washington, D.C. She deals with community, also known as small groups. We'll talk more about that. But Kirsten, welcome to the Why God Why podcast. How are you? Hey, Peter. Thanks so much for having me. Doing well today and glad to be here. <laughs> so Kirsten, I was too scared, but how do you pronounce your last name? I get that all the time. It's Telzero. Um, but it's kind of funny because my maiden name is Began. And so I went from the beginning of the alphabet to the end of the alphabet. I love it. Well, I get like Engelbert or Engelhart. And then my wife's maiden name is Elliot. And sometimes people are like Peter Elliot. And anyways, but um, we'll save that for later. <laughs> So uh, this podcast is brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. Um, the question we're asking is, why will community matter more after the pandemic? Kirsten, why don't you just tell a little bit of your story of how you landed at your current role and with the small group network and just your passion for community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a huge passion for community and um I think a lot of it stems from how much I have been blessed by community and the people in my life that it makes me continually want to give more and to go deeper in relationships with people. And so it didn't always start, though, as a journey um, in small groups. I was a protege uh, at a church in Atlanta, Georgia, for a couple of years, and I was involved in spiritual formation um, coming right out of college. And basically, it was everything from baptism to first impressions, even incorporating prayer teams on that, as well as small groups. And so I got to kind of have my hands in many different areas within the local church and just absolutely loved small groups because... I think really my heart um, for community stems from developing people. I love to develop people and to help people discover just their identity and what the gifts God has given and placed inside of them and watching people walk through that process together in community. And, and we see that happen in small groups. And so um, actually, it, it's a it's a longer story, maybe for another um, podcast episode, but I felt like the Lord was calling us specifically to Washington, D.C., and so my husband and I kept praying about it and praying about it, and um, I'm a huge fan of National Community Church, have been my whole life, have been of Pastor Mark Batterson, and so I thought, man, wouldn't it be so amazing if I got to work at National Community, and I looked on the website. There was one position that was open. It was the small groups director. And uh, I have been here ever since, and I absolutely love it. I'm the small group director for our main campus at Capitol Hill Turnaround. Uh, and I have actually been on staff at NCC for the last six years. And I love everything about community because commu like small groups at NCC are really embedded in everything that we do. And we see that that's actually... Um, a focal point for a lot of our guests and visitors as well. They just want to know more about our small groups and how do we run our small groups and what do they look like? Because our small groups are 
a little bit different being in Washington, D.C., because we have some that meet in homes, some that meet in parks, coffee shops. We have some that uh, actually even meet at the Capitol um, on Tuesday mornings to pray and get together before they actually start their day for Hill staffers and politicos. And so it's just a joy. Uh, and I love doing what I do. I want to come back to that. Uh, but the the main question I want to kind of start for our listeners to get to know you um, you and I met over Zoom, over the small group network, um, and you had just kind of shared about your experience in the pandemic. And so I guess where I'd like to start is, what was the pandemic like for you personally in regards to someone that's so passionate about community? You know, in Washington, D.C., it's, it's a very connected town. You know, it's walking and all of a sudden, you know, you really can't go anywhere. Help our listeners understand what you went through. Yeah, it well, for all of us, it was a challenge, but I think it was a challenge for each of us in different ways. And the biggest challenge for me um, was being so removed from people. It was being removed from our small group um, because we were meeting online, but not that face-to-face -face connection. Um, it was being removed from family members that are not local, where you're not traveling to go see them pretty, you know, regularly. And the other thing that was the hardest for me is my husband and I have always um, had a passion for hospitality and opening up our home to anyone and everyone. I mean, we we even say to our small group, like our house is your house, you know, and and that we couldn't we couldn't do like we couldn't have large groups of people over in our house um, for quite an extended period of time. And I think that um, that part was probably the the piece that made my heart ache the most. Because I think when we move into periods of isolation in our lives, that's sometimes where we can see the, the um, creeping in of what isolation does. And it, we need a healthy community to keep us on track. We need people surrounding us to help us grow in our relationship with the Lord, to help us grow in discovering more about ourselves. And when you remove all of that, um, that's when, when we can actually start to, to go backwards instead of keep moving forward together. So I think that the, the hospitality piece, the relational piece, and then just the benefits of connecting with other people and processing like out loud, not, you know, just over Zoom, not just in a, a meeting online or on the phone, just processing uh, with someone physically in person. That that probably was the the hardest uh, for me personally. I just remember you mentioning some like personal challenges just that you had. And I think what I'm hearing, and you can go as deep as you want um, with that, but you know, when you went through some of your personal challenges this last year, I think there were some, you know, just some physical things. Um, you know, was that elevated because you couldn't see people or, I mean, you can share as much as you're comfortable with, but I just think it'd be helpful for our listeners. There was a period in time where I went through um, just a couple of health challenges and 
in the past, anytime that would happen in our small group or on our staff, like people would be ready to just pray with you and rally around you, or they would bring you meals or things like that. And while some of it was still possible and we had to be strategic in how we were, uh, you know, connecting with people outside and whatnot, I think the biggest thing was um, there's there's an element where we can feel like we're walking through whatever we're walking through completely alone. And that's when it's like, we have got to figure out some strategic ways and and coming a little bit more out of the pandemic where things are opening up a little bit for the time being um, in some different areas. I think we have learned to be very strategic in how we're caring for each other and how we're being intentional and how we are choosing to walk with people and walk with whatever they're going through in life, whether it's health, whether it's relational, whether it's you know, even, uh, you know, mental health, physical health, et cetera, learning to walk with someone, um, I think has been the biggest learning from this, but also it was the hardest thing that we lost because of, of some of the lockdowns. Mm. Man, that's really powerful. Um, thank you for just being courageous and sharing that. Um, so I want to kind of come back to what you just said, like, what did we learn um, throughout the pandemic. And, you know, if we put two categories together, um, what did the pandemic teach us that was positive? And what's something that the pandemic said, no, you got to keep doing this. This is so important. So you mentioned like walking with someone. How do you think that that's changed in 2021, 2022, that we might not have thought about in 2019, whether it's new or old? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I'm noticing the most, and I have felt the Lord say this in my own life, is just this desire and this need to go deeper with people and go deeper with few as opposed to surface level with many. And I think that that's one of the things that we've learned um, throughout the pandemic that we're now honing in on and really focusing, especially in the context of small groups, but really focusing on who are our, our friends, who are our neighbors, who is our family, and what are what does the inventory look like? Um, if we were to do a relational inventory, what does that relationship status look like? Are they really good relationships? Are they really healthy right now? Or are there areas that need work and we need to go a little bit deeper and press in a little bit more, or maybe pray for those people a little bit more intentionally? And I think that that's one of the things that we really coming out on this other side have been focusing, at least what I'm hearing in some of my conversations with other people as well is, I just need to go deeper with people. I've been without people for a while, regardless of your personality. It can be introvert, it can be extrovert, but I'm hearing the same thing of going deeper with people. Um, Whereas that's probably one of the things I I think we'll keep and will continue. One of the things that um, we will probably leave behind is the desire to only be with you know a, a select group of people or a certain amount of people because now we've introduced things like Zoom and Marco Polo where we are connecting at a wider and larger level. We're having more breadth, but it's also just being aware of where the relationships where I can go 
um, deep with? And then where are the relationships where I need to intentionally connect on a larger scale via Zoom, via tech, you know, the, the access that we have technologically? So I think what I hear you saying is like, let's embrace the network of technology. You know, there's the book, The Search to Belong. That might be the space for our 50, 100. Um, but don't forsake the in-person and even digital of the three depth. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. And I think it's become magnified in the pandemic more than it was before. Um, and, and, you know, take our connection is also through the small group network. So take the small group network, for example. In one sense, we have this large network that's global across the entire world where we're all a part of the same network. We're all connecting through Facebook, through Instagram, through podcasts. But then we also have specific regions and specific huddles where we're meeting with eight people on a you know a consistent basis and we're going deeper with them we're doing life with them we're asking hey what are you learning in your small groups right now um and so it's learning to balance both of them without neglecting either one but i'm seeing people emerge with a little bit more of a greater desire to just go deeper in the relationships that the lord has given them to steward wow well, let's back up. That That is so rich, like just what you said. And I think that you're confirming probably what a lot of people feel um, as I hit my microphone. So let's talk about for a moment, there's a 24-year-old named Greg. Um, you work in DC. Um, people work 70, 80 hours a week. And like we want micro microwave relationships, but mm-hmm. everyone's like crock pot. So, yes. you know, anytime, you know, even if you don't go to church, you probably try this, you know, you go and, um, you know, you get in a kickball team and like the first kickball, like you win the game, but you're like, these people are weird. Um, you know, you might go to a coffee shop, even to a bar. And even for people that are trying to navigate church, Like once, you know, they come to church once a quarter and they hear small groups and they're like, you know, why would I go to someone's house and sit down and talk with them? So knowing that there's busy schedules, I don't know who I'm connecting with, you know, what's kind of, how would you impress or how do you talk to someone that's trying to deal with those unknowns and those tensions? Yeah, so I think it's about meeting people where they're at. And that's one of the biggest things um, at National Community Church because of the city life, because of the urban context, the pace at which we um, just do life. And one of the things that I really appreciate is we have a small group um, called Alpha at NCC, and it's um, an international ministry. It started out of the UK. But basically, it creates this safe space for people to really wrestle and dialogue and ask hard questions in life, like, why do bad things happen to good people? And if God is good, why would he allow X or Y, Z to happen? And it creates this safe space that is very unusual in the city, almost like counterintuitive, to be able to to dialogue and and not feel judged when you're asking questions um, specifically about faith. And so I think it's looking for those spaces where people are naturally going to 
um, just feel safe or there are less barriers at a coffee shop as opposed to a home or a church building, things like that where we're, we're looking at okay, where is the marketplace? Where's the modern day wells where people are actually um, congregating? And then how do we, like Jesus, go to those places and just create safe spaces to to kind of bring them in and say, hey, you know what? Like we we are here for you. We want to be able to talk and dialogue and develop a relationship so that you feel like you are belonging, that you are welcomed in this place. All of your questions, all of your habits, all of the things that you're bringing to the table, um, because it can be really overwhelming, right? So for the example that you gave of, of the 24-year-old, it can be overwhelming of like, I just don't even know where to start. And that's a big move for me to set foot into a church building. It's a big move to step foot into someone's house that you've never met before and you're going to meet 12 other people that you don't know who they are and their names. And especially if you're an introvert, like I'm an introvert. And to me, I would rather go meet at a coffee shop than I would in in someone's home if I don't know them right away. And and, um, so looking for the, the spaces where we're removing the barriers and where we're just being intentional to say, you know what, you're so valued and you are welcome as you are. Um, but but we're not going to, you know, leave it there. We want to dialogue. We want to have conversation and we want to be able to go deeper level in relationship. Um, so that's really good. I want to I want to walk to the other side. There's also those individuals, whether they're in church or out of church, like all of a sudden now, no masks, everything's lifted. Let's just fill our calendar. And the, that's a conglomeration of church people, but also of people that don't go to church. And even what you're kind of proposing um, is deeper relationships. What would you say to the person? And you probably even work with some people where it's like, hey, just because we're reopening, there's some good things from the pandemic about going deeper. How would you respond even to that person? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we all have to be cautious about is going from the pandemic to 150%. And it's almost like we've been pent up racehorses that are just waiting, waiting and waiting for the buzzer to go off so we can run the race. And 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 it's it's very easy for calendars to fill up, but I think one of the most important things that is coming out in some of the circles that I um, am a part of is a lot of people are saying that they can't lose what the Lord taught them or what they learned in the solitude um, that they intentionally, you know, grew in their relationship with the Lord or grew in other relationships of, of their neighbors or people around them, that they don't want to lose sight of that, even though their calendars are filling up. So it might be blocking out extra time just to spend time with the Lord. It might be taking the time to actually write cards um, is, instead of just sending a text. It might be um, baking brownies and dropping them off at a neighbor's uh front doorstep, things that we really, it, it, the pandemic caused us to reflect and think through a lot of those small things that we can be doing that have big impact. And when we just fill up our schedules and we're just running at full pace and full speed, we forget about those things or we don't schedule them. And so then it becomes uh, harder to actually put them on the calendar and we just say, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. Oh, we'll do it tomorrow. Oh, we'll, we'll. And I think that that's probably 
one of the things where people are saying, I, I don't want to lose those things that were small that made a really large impact amidst um, navigating kind of the chaos and and stepping into a new season, but we don't really know what it looks like uh, coming out on the other side. I want to come back because, again, I, I'm sure we have both. We have some people that are like, uh, you know, if the pan- if it wasn't the pandemic, but we could all be introverted, that would be awesome. There's other people that are like, just let us, just let us out. Um, you know, you referred to before, like people needing and wanting deeper relationships. Um, you know, so as a pastor, I hear this all the time. I want my small group to go deeper. Um, you know, I, I, there's some introverts that I talk to. They're like, shut up with the small talk and just let's go. And, the, you know, so um, when you think about a deeper relationship, you know, paint a picture for us, for our listeners of what that looks like or how do I know I'm going to a deeper relationship? Yeah, um, I think it really stems from creating space and carving out time. You said you can't microwave relationships and you can't. I mean, the best meals come out of a crock pot, not a microwave. And if we are going at such a pace that we are not creating space and we're not carving out time to listen, to ask questions, to try new things with people, Um, maybe it's, you know, going and and playing golf with people that you haven't done before, but they're really passionate about it. So you're like, yeah, I'll I'll go play golf with you. Um, If we're not creating those types of spaces, I think that um, that it's going to be really hard to go deeper. It's going to be really hard to create those crockpot style relationships. Um, And you can't, you know, you can't manufacture a deep relationship, right? Like you have to just kind of create the environment and the atmosphere, just like in a small group, um, to be able for people to feel safe enough to feel like you are genuinely interested in their life and what's going on in their life and that you are authentic. All of that takes just such intentionality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and even as you talk about that, my friend, Mike, um, so he has a back porch and I've probably sat on his back porch a couple hundred times with a group of men. And, you know, one of my friends, I'm going to call out Dale, Dale says, well, this is my small group. And I'm like, Dale, I don't know if this is a small group, but, um, but he like, it takes time and it's taken trust for us to kind of have some of those deeper conversations. Sure you know, it starts with the Buffalo Bills and, and maybe it moves on to some other things, but we've had some really deep conversations because it happened. Now there's sometimes when a new guy shows up and all of a sudden it's like, my life sucks. Um, and that happens. But I think even what I'm hearing you say is like the intentionality of whether you need to find a mentor, whether you need to find a peer, whether you need to find someone that you think that you can invest in, like, you know, you have to determine, hey, what's the best format to do that? It might be you're serving or you're working with them and it takes, hey, let's go to lunch, let's go to coffee. I think yeah. sometimes what we do is we just overcomplicate this yes. as opposed to just, hey, come with me, you know, or as the, yes. Pits- is it the Pittsburgh people that say come with, you know, or whatever that is. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it really is. Or walking with people. And it it just is 
again, you have to slow down long enough to be able to do that, to be able to have margin in your schedule that just exists for the sake of going deeper with people. And it's also like, it doesn't have to be the people that you already are close with and connected with. Like you can challenge yourself to have deeper conversations with people that you wouldn't regularly have a conversation with, or maybe you don't politically align with them, or maybe they just think or operate a little bit differently than you, it's still creating the spaces and having that margin to um, just go deeper together in a, in a relationship. And that's going to look different in, in every single relationship, right? Like family members, you know, are, you're probably going to be a little bit deeper than your friends, or maybe some of your friends you're just really, really close with. Um, and so I, I think one of the important things, though, is challenging ourselves to not just go deeper with the people that we already are deep with, mm. but going a little bit deeper with with people that... Um, we we maybe wouldn't naturally do so, or maybe the Lord is just asking you to invest a little bit more in a specific relationship. Um, and as you said, that could be a mentor, a mentee, um, or it could be, you know, someone at the office. It could be your next door neighbor, you know, two houses down. It could be a, a, a wide uh, range of people. Well, you brought it up. So uh, you're in Washington, D.C., um, Last I checked, um, 2016, 2020 were probably not so fun years. Um, with the focus of community, I'm sure our listeners are trying to think about, you know, how did you navigate this politically polarized, um, you know, season? And, you know, as you kind of look into the future, you know, what's your hope? Because, you know, the, your pastor, Mark Batterson, has talked about that on other podcasts. And just, you know, I've been to National Community Church. There's something beautiful about, I mean, people don't know this. There's Democrats and Republicans that are probably in small group together. But, I mean, how? tell everyone how you're navigating that through the lens of community. Yeah. Oh, they, they definitely are in small group together. And that's what one of the most beautiful things is to see. Um, I think one of the just really beautiful um, things that I've seen in the last couple of years at NCC really resides in our four principles of peacemaking um, that we as a church whole, all the way from adults, um, you know, on a weekend service, all the way down to our youth have been regularly saying, if we are going to come to the table and we're going to practice the art of peacemaking, there are four things that we have to all commit to. And that is being willing to ask anything, like nothing is off the table. The second is to listen well. You might want to say something. You might, you know, be holding your tongue, uh, but to actually posture yourself in a way where you're listening to people and you're trying to hear their heart and better understand them so that you're not just seeking to be understood. And then the third is disagreeing freely, like being willing to say, yeah, yeah I, I actually don't agree with that because you've already laid the ground rules of saying like, hey, we can ask anything in this space. We're going to listen well. Therefore, it allows everyone to be able to disagree free, freely. And then the fourth is to love regardless. So um, not just stopping at that, hey, I agree or I disagree, but choosing to love regardless. Uh, that, that has been a, a driver for us for the last several years. 
And that has really just grown a lot of fruit in our small groups. Um, like I said, all the way from adult to youth. And that has just been intentional for us to be able to create these spaces where we are actively engaging in conversations that we may not align with, or we may not, um, you know, naturally feel the most comfortable with, but it's it's continuing to help us grow uh, and iron sharpens iron. I mean, let me just ask you personally, do you, there's some people that, hey, let's engage the fight. Um, there's other people probably more like myself. I'm like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when these individuals get in the room, you know, kind of where are you at? Because I mean, you also said you felt called to Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. um, you know, tell us personally where you're at of kind of even the last year, your growth and development as a leader. Yeah, I think that I've really learned to just continue to posture myself in a way where I'm just learning from everybody. Mm. I'm learning from everything that they're saying, everything that they're sharing. I'm learning more about who they are and their heart. Um, and really just choosing to learn as much as I can, reading, posturing myself, but also listening. And I, you know, I, I would say that um, our staff probably has noticed a, a difference even in me in the last year or so, where I'm just choosing to go from staff member to staff member and hear a little bit more about their story or how they might feel about that situation or um, what maybe thoughts were running through their mind when they saw that breaking news story and, and really just posturing myself to listen. Because what that does is that helps me better understand them and the shoes that they're walking in, which then postures my my heart to be able to to better understand um, who they are as a person made in the image of God, not necessarily maybe some of the differences that exist between the two of us. It, it really um, it changes your focal point when you're willing to sit with someone and listen and learn alongside of them, as opposed to focusing so much on the differences. That's really good. So here's probably. Um you just gave some wonderful advice, but here's the deal. Uh, news breaks and I want to go talk to an individual that I feel like this news would really relate to, but I don't like, I want to care, but I don't also want to be told that I'm stereotyping in any way. How do you enter one of those conversations? Because it's a moment that could be really powerful. I mean, just frame for us maybe a question or how you'd walk someone through. Cause I think that that's something huge from this pandemic that we're learning. Like it's important to check in. Um, but anyways, I just, I'd love for you to get super deep and practical with that. You know what? It's not super deep though. Actually, I keep it very simple and I might just say, Hey, I, I just read this. How are you feeling about that? Mm. Or I say, what are your thoughts on that? If if you make it so deep, I think that that will, like right away, that will kind of um, create a barrier where people are like, ooh, are you fishing for something? Where are you going with this? And why are you asking? But if you keep it so simple, you really just, you, you don't have an agenda. You just want to genuinely hear their thoughts and how they're processing that information or that news story. Um, I think that that's when really people see your heart as opposed to an agenda or something that you might have, um, you know, lined up. And I think I think us collectively as a whole, we all have really good intentions. But again, it goes back to that posturing of ourselves, because sometimes we say things where we're like, 
yeah, that did not communicate that I had the best intentions in mind. Um, and, and just being willing to, to, you know, learn and grow as we learn some of the things of like, oh, I probably should have asked that differently. But I always start out pretty simple. Just what are your thoughts on that? Or how does that make you feel? And maybe that's simple because it's coming from my alpha experience where we actually ask everyone at the table pretty consistently, you know, we'll read scripture or we'll hear some sort of um, theological doctrine. And around the table, we say, so what does everyone else think about that? What are your thoughts? Like, what came to mind? How did that make you feel? So maybe it's a little bit of the alpha that's ingrained in me. Well, you know, and just in my experience, and the reason why I, I think it's important for us to talk about this, um, I actually think the bigger sin or the bigger wrongdoing is to say nothing at all. Um, I find that more people are, even if you try and you do it wrong and they correct you, just like what you said, they assume usually the best, but even the way that you frame that question, it's, I mean, you could fill in the blank, hey, I read this today, you know, what do you think about that? It's so simple, but it also honors, you know, someone else's experience. And you're kind of saying, walk me into your world right now because yeah. I'm probably missing something. And I just think that that's, I mean, if there's one thing that you can leave this podcast from, whether you follow Jesus or not, I feel like that's it. It's just getting outside of our own little worlds and not just yeah. reading articles or not just you know, hearing news stories and making assumptions and but actually being someone that says, you know, what, I'm probably going to disagree with 90% of what this person says, but you know, what, I'm going to sit and listen with them because maybe I'm missing something. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that that's kind of what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, what we talked about a few minutes ago is you have to have the margin to be willing to do that. If you don't have the margin, then you're not going to have the space to be able to ask those questions and you're not going to have the space to be able to listen. Mm. Well, we've kind of kept this like fairly relational kind of mental health. I'm I'm just going to throw this out. You're a pastor. Um, what's unique that Christianity teaches about relationships as we look at the future? Maybe the timeless truths that you would say, hey, if you if you grasp Christi Christianity, if you start to have those alpha discussions here's what you'll uncover about relationships that might not be apparent elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that very rarely outside of the Christian circle do we encounter spaces where you can be in relationship with someone, feel safe, feel like you belong without quite yet having to believe. And I, I think that that's one of the things that I absolutely love about the Christian faith is that the relationships, like we don't have to go through this life alone at all. We don't have to walk alone. We don't have to, we, in addition to knowing that, you know, God is forever with us. We also, he intentionally surrounds us with a community. He intentionally surrounds us and puts people in our paths. Um, I mean, I have this one friend that they move every two years. And so they have this consistent prayer that says, Lord, just send me one friend for each person in my family, just one friend. And, and he does every time. And it's like, that is just so powerful that you don't, 
You don't hear about that in other places. You don't hear about that um, in other circles outside of the Christian faith. But also you just don't hear about circles of, of wait, I could say this, this, and this, and I won't be judged. But nope, not here. You know that, And that tends to be more in those alpha circles. But that, I think, is one of the unique factors of um, community and what it means uh, to all be on a journey and a walk together and to not leave um, people behind or to not judge them for what they're thinking and feeling and processing through because we're all at different points of the journey. You know, it's funny as you say that, um, I think of like all the stories of Jesus and I think people are like, we've never been more polarized than we've been before. And it's like Jesus's small group had Matthew, who was a tax collector for the Romans, who occupied Jewish people and he was Jewish with Simon the Zealot who wanted to th overthrow the government. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about like community, like the Bible and Christianity, it it talks about natural enemies that all of a sudden become friends. And I think that that's even kind of what you're pointing to. And we forget some of that history. And we, I mean, for some of us, we don't even know that like Jesus didn't surround himself with a bunch of people that got along, he surrounded himself. I mean, he had brothers. So, I mean, that's the worst, but you know, they were, you know, they were in competition with each other. And, and I think that that's a little bit of kind of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, Hey, let's close. This is the final question that we always close with, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? Um, and so I get to answer and then uh, whatever heresy or things that I mess up, this is why we have a guest here. So you get to close it up. So does that sound good? It's <laughs> hilarious, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Well, um, so I, I kind of want to come back to, you know, one of the things that you said, just I'm leaving with like the fact that you talked about margins. And as I think about Jesus, like, Jesus was one of the busiest people on earth, but he always found time to go deep with individuals. Now, I know that people would be like, well, he's Jesus, like he's got it figured out, but I think that it's also a model. So I think of Jesus with Nicodemus, Jesus with the woman at the well, like Jesus with the woman at the issue of blood, like he had time enough to go deeper in relationships yeah. and ask those questions. So as I think about what will community matter? Why will community matter more after the pandemic? It is the smaller, tighter relationships. It is the opportunities that instead of just talking about surface level things, it's, you know, being brave enough to ask those questions and seeing mm -hmm. maybe what Jesus does. So that's my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you? What do you think Jesus would say about this? Yeah, I, you know, it's hard because I still think that there's so much that we don't quite understand about the power of relationships, about what it, what we um, might be entering into in a new season, um, what we may have encountered, you know, collectively in a in a pandemic. Like, I still think that there's so much that we just can't comprehend. You know, God sees it all. I think a lot of it just ties to. What are those everyday promptings that we might be getting and how are we being obedient to them on a small scale and on a large scale? And it's not just, you know, yes, it is 
allowing things like Zoom and allowing Instagram, et cetera, to help us to continue to stay engaged in relationships of people that may have moved away in the pandemic, et cetera. It's also not neglecting the relationships that the Lord has given us to steward that are in our own backyard. But I think that, you know, it really ties in with just those small steps of obedience of who the Lord's highlighting to us to pour into or to, um, you know, step out and have a conversation with and maybe ways that we wouldn't have before or to do something um that, you know, maybe for our neighbor that we're like, you know, I'm actually just going to go and get them groceries and drop them off at the front door. It's just paying attention to those promptings on a regular basis of, Lord, how can I bless your people? How can I bless who you've put in uh, my path today, whether I know them or not, and just being obedient to that. Kirsten, this has been great. How can people follow you um, online and your robust social media following? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have an Instagram page, uh, just Kirsten Telsro. Um, and then I also have Facebook. Uh, so I'm pretty active on Instagram, more so than Facebook. Um, Twitter as well, Beaks92. But uh, would love to just have a conversation, even if you guys want to continue the conversation or have some questions out of today's podcast, you can email me uh, at my first name, Kirsten, at national.cc. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Um, the horns beeping. So there we go. But uh, the city life. We, yes. we love it. <laughs> um, so the best way to get in touch with us is to go to whygotwhypodcast.com. Subscribe to our email. We're going to be sharing and tagging Kirsten so you won't miss this. And uh, again, we hope that this, you know, helps you respond to your life and even just see maybe where God's inviting you to community. So thank you so much for joining us. 